Good afternoon, and welcome to a presentation of the Fall Colloquia series, brought to you by your School of Library and Information Science here at San Jose State University. I am Dr. Anthony Bernier, and along with Dale David from our technical staff, we are producing this series of presentations to better connect the library community with the faculty and the school. Look for colloquia presentations on the SLIS website at least every other week throughout the term. And you will also find a webcast archive of all our previous presentations on the SLIS homepage as well. And that is at slisweb.sjsu.edu. I'd also like to invite you to visit SLIS 21, the school-wide blog maintained by our Associate Director, Dr. Linda Main, on the school's homepage. SLIS 21 concentrates on school uh, administration and development. Right now the hot topic is spring 08 class offerings, but new topics are introduced every week. You can find SLIS 21 on the school's homepage. Today it is my special pleasure to introduce to you April Gage. Ms. Gage earned her MLIS from SLIS in December 2008 and is currently the archivist for the NASA Ames Research Center in the History Office. Not only is she our first recent graduate to be invited to give a colloquia presentation, but more importantly, last year the university awarded her its Outstanding Graduate Thesis Award for Speaking Freely, an Oral History of the Freedom to Read Foundation. Perhaps even more importantly, however, it is, um, is that with the recent institution of a research methods course requirement here at SLIS, many more students are likely to be interested in producing an original contribution to the field of library and information science. So her appearance before us today is both timely and topical. Ms. Gage's presentation is entitled Free Your Mind and Your 299 Will Follow, Demystifying these, the Thesis Option. And I am particularly interested, after reading the abstract of her talk, to learn more about these tweed-clad tweed nabobs of negativity to which she refers. I've been peeking into all the cloakrooms around here, and I haven't found a single tweed at all. So please join me in welcoming April Gage. Good afternoon. Today I'd like to talk about the thesis option, as you know. You've made some progress on the 42 units of required and elective coursework and the road to graduation finally seems to be getting smoother. That is until you realize you're heading toward the inevitable, inevitable fork in the road that will force you to choose between one of two options, the e-portfolio or the thesis. As you approach the fork, you notice the entrance to the thesis road is nearly blocked with big signs that warn danger and rough road ahead. As a bespectacled person, wearing tweeds, cautions, wrong way, turn back, and waves you toward the e-portfolio route. What should you do? Take the e-portfolio path of least resistance? Or ignore the danger signs, thumb your nose at that tweed-clad nabob of negativity, and take the less traveled thesis road? Why pursue a thesis? In my experience, although pursuing a thesis was hard work, it was incredibly worthwhile, especially because it afforded me the chance to deepen my knowledge and understanding of librarianship in areas that I found to be most compelling. I entered library school with an interest in history. Once in school, Professor Jim Schmidt fueled my desire to learn more about activism 
for intellectual freedom in the library profession. And Professor Debbie Hansen stimulated my interest in oral history and in using primary source materials for research. Eventually, I chose to pursue an oral and narrative history of the Freedom to Read Foundation, which is a great defender of our First Amendment rights as Americans to access, to access and exchange information, to read what is written, hear the ideas of others, and express our own views without interference from the government. One of the most rewarding aspects of pursuing this project was that I had the chance to freely and deeply explore intellectual freedom issues, and not just on my own. I got to meet and interview some of the legends of our profession and hear their views firsthand. It was really an incredible experience. I wonder if you all remember that library assignment in Library 200 where you pick a worthy and then you get up in front of the class and tell them all about that worthy. Well, I got to interview the worthies for, the, for, for, for that project and uh, just imagine how, how, what it would be like to get to sit down with that worthy and pick their brain about a topic that, that really matters to you. So to be sure, completing a thesis requires hard work, but keep in mind that you might look up from your studies one day and realize that you're actually enjoying yourself. So why did I select the thesis option? Choosing to complete a thesis is a personal decision that should be made based on criteria that are meaningful to you, rather than on fear or the preferences of others. I think my initial decision to write a thesis was based on a sense of idealism, I was the first woman in my family to graduate from college, and being a trailblazer of sorts, I came to school with idealistic notions about the academic experience and a strong desire to learn. I frequently recalled part of the Confucian analect that says, isn't, isn't it a pleasure to study and practice what, what you have learned? It seemed that the process of researching and writing a thesis would be an excellent way to gain deeper knowledge of an area in librarianship that I might not gain otherwise in a standard class. And it would give me the chance to put a given research, research methodology into practice. I also assumed that writing a thesis was compulsory. My general not notions about this were shaped by tales um, from uh, colleagues and friends about their experiences, researching and writing and defending their theses in front of a panel of professors during oral examinations. So I guess I thought of a thesis as both as a standard requirement for achieving a master's degree and as a rite of passage. I was also partly motivated to write a thesis by a sense of insecurity, the first portion of another Confucian analect to study and not think is a waste, played over and over in my mind. Only I remembered it as to study and not to learn is a waste. I was plagued by the irrational fear that I'd get out of library school, having dutifully completed all of the coursework, but not having learned anything about librarianship. The fear is similar to whatever version of that bad dream you're probably all familiar with, <laughs> the one in which you realize the big test is approaching and something extremely important is riding on that test, and you realize somehow that you haven't attended any class lectures or cracked a book all year. I didn't want to graduate and feel like an imposter. In the library profession, in the eyes of my family, 
or in the world of other folks who earned their degrees. I wanted to graduate believing that I earned that degree, that I'd really mastered an area of librarianship, and that I'd studied under the same requirements as everybody else in any other school in the nation. So what are some barriers to deciding to do a thesis? Throughout much of my time in the program, I was surprised and dismayed to encounter a climate of admonition instead of encouragement from the school regarding the thesis option. Rarely did I encounter a professor who inspired students to pursue a thesis, and rarer still was the professor who expressed the opinion that it was vital to do one. Instead, I encountered a litany of strong warnings that it will add one to two years onto your program of study. The research must be original, as if conducting original research would be an incredibly difficult thing to do, a high, high mountain to climb. You must be fascinated with the topic you choose to pursue, because again, you will be spending one to two years of your life working on that original piece of research, and your career will be on hold while you are toiling away. Although I suppose the school was facing resource constraints and that our professors wanted us to graduate and graduate on time and enter the profession, I did wish to encounter more of a positive climate regarding the thesis option. After a while, I actually started to give up the idea of writing a thesis and tried to talk myself into the other culminating option, which at that time was the essay option. Now it's the e-portfolio. I began to feel intimidated by the thesis. Didn't want to add an extra year onto my program, and I was anxious to have MLIS on my resume. I even found myself parroting the admonitions I had heard from professors. But ultimately, the pull of the thesis for reasons I mentioned earlier, was too strong and I decided to go for it. And you know what? None of the warnings proved to be true. It was not hard to do original research. It did not take a year. I was not fascinated with all aspects of my research and that was okay. And my career was not put on hold. In addition, once I set out on that path, most, not all, but most of those nabobs of negativity vanished. And I found that the school, especially my thesis committee, to be quite supportive. I think it's important to remember this. Don't let those sorts of warnings dissuade you from taking the thesis option. Take them as well-intentioned advice that you should think seriously and realistically about what the option entails. Time, effort, money, and energy. But don't let them dissuade you from taking the option if you really want to take it. What I'd like to do now is outline a few key aspects of the practical process of planning and executing your thesis, share with you some good advice that was given to me, and share what I might do differently with the benefit of hindsight. So it seems that for many, one of the deal breakers for the thesis option is the additional time it'll take to complete. The current course description for Library 299 states, Quote, it may take as many as two or more years, although most theses require about a year to complete, and some students have been able to complete it in one term. How much extra time will it take? Well, that all depends on you. Planning is paramount. With careful planning, pursuing the thesis need not overly extend your time in the program. 
In my experience, I plan to take up to a year to complete the thesis. In actuality, I graduated one semester later than I would have if I'd taken the other culminating option. Instead of graduating in spring, I graduated in the fall. Part of the reason for this is that Professor Schmidt gave me a piece of excellent advice which I will share with all of you. Once I made the commitment to do the thesis and settled on a topic, he encouraged me to tailor my studies toward my research interest so that the work I'd be putting into my remaining courses would support the work I had to do for my thesis. I followed his advice and selected courses related to my topic and saved a lot of time. Specifically, I enrolled in the Intellectual Freedom Seminar, which helped me learn more about the law and intellectual freedom, which supported the research I needed to perform for my oral history interviews and for the narrative history of the Freedom to Read Foundation. For the research paper required for that course, I completed a first draft of a portion of the narrative history of the foundation. I also enrolled in an independent study course for which I conducted some of the research and oral histories for the thesis. Another area of concern for some students is how much more money will it cost if you pursue a thesis. The additional cost can vary based on the nature of your research, whether you need to travel, and whether or not you apply for and receive funding from grants. I happened to choose an expensive methodology. I purchased recording equipment, made a research trip to the ALA archives in Urbana-Champaign, and flew to Portland and Chicago to conduct oral history interviews. The additional expense of this was around $5,000. By taking the spring semester off and enrolling in $299 for the fall, I avoided paying an extra semester's worth of fees. Luckily, my husband and mother offered to help pay for most of my research costs. <laughs> Cost is another area where careful planning is key. With careful planning, I should have been able to secure grant money. There are three areas in which careful planning is vital. One, application approval and grant deadlines. Two, course selections. And three, remembering your committee. Failure to be aware of and plan in these areas can push back your completion date. So beware of the deadlines. The moment you think you might pursue this thesis option, go and look at the school's deadlines and those for grant applications. There is a page on the SLIS website that shows the major application deadlines. If you miss one of these, I think your completion date will be pushed back a semester. Of the different deadlines to meet, I'll just point out two that are important. One is the candidacy approval form. This is usually filed at the start of the semester before the semester you plan to graduate. The second is the application for award of master's degree. This is filed during the semester you plan to graduate. So considering the deadlines, it's valuable to plot the trajectory of your work. I thought about when I wanted to graduate, what I felt I could financially afford when I felt I could financially afford to graduate, and of course how long I thought it would take to complete the thesis. The SLIS website has resources to help you plan this out, such as the Library 299 course description page, which links to a student's checklist, the proposal approval form, and an information sheet that's put together by the Graduate Studies and Research uh, Department. 
In addition, there are other resources on the Graduate Studies and Research website. When you plot out your trajectory, uh, I guess this has changed. <laughs> uh, it used to be that Library 285 research methods was, was a prerequisite for Library 299, and now, as I understand, it's, it's a prerequisite for graduating. It's in your core requirements. So in Library 285, you will complete a first draft of your thesis proposal. Um, I guess another thing at the time that I was going here, um, it was offered once a year and there was only one class. And from looking at the website, it looks like you have expanded options. I don't know if it's offered both semesters. Do you? Okay, so there's, there's a lot more options and there's a, there's a new option, research methods in history available. So as you plot your trajectory of work, Think about how you need to structure your remaining semesters. Again, what worked for me was to enroll in classes related to my research interests, including Library 298 for independent study, and you can take that twice, I believe, and then take one semester off in the summer before enrolling in Library 299. Also, don't rely on others to remind you of deadlines. Take the initiative to figure out what your course of action needs to be Mark the important dates on your calendar and structure your work according to your work habits, your personal goals, and your needs. The final bit of advice in terms of planning is to remember your committee. At certain points in the process, your thesis advisor and committee will need to review and approve your work, such as your proposal and the final drafts of your thesis. It is important to allow ample time for these folks to review your work. In my case, I did not communicate my expectations adequately and really did not give them enough lead time to review my thesis, which ended up being just over 500 pages. They probably would have had every right to either shoot me or postpone my graduation date and probably considered doing so. The fact is I got lucky. I was lucky that they did not shoot me and that they were willing to perform a Herculean task in a short amount of time. It's probably safe to assume that many, not many committees will be as beneficent as mine. If I were planning things again, this is what I would keep in mind. One, communicate well in advance with your advisor and committee members. Find out when their crunch periods are in the semester. When will they be plowing through term papers or e-portfolios? Call it a hunch. But you probably don't want them to be reviewing your thesis in the midst of 60 other term papers and 15 e-portfolios. And they probably don't want to have anything to do with your thesis during that time either. My committee members were proactive in keeping me informed of their crunch periods, and I tried to plan my deliverables around them. Next, talk with your thesis advisor and establish what your deliverables are how your advisor wants to route your work to the committee, and how much time your advisor estimates she'll need to review each deliverable. Then you'll have a clear idea of what is expected of you, what the protocol is, and they will be able to budget their, the time they need to, get to, to review your work. And then don't assume you're done when you turn your final draft in. Your committee will likely make edits and suggestions, and you'll need to plan to have enough time to complete any necessary revisions or additional rounds of edits. And I guess what I found is it's easy to get caught up 
in your own little thesis world that revolves around your goals and your research and your situation, don't forget that you need to coordinate with others. So there are a couple more areas that I'd like to comment on briefly before taking questions. Uh, choosing a research topic and selecting an advisor and a committee. So a few things to consider when choosing a research topic. Sit down and think about areas of study that you've had so far that really interest you. Also, you might listen in your courses for suggestions from professors. I remember in the History of Books and Libraries course I took in the library section, Professor Debbie Hansen was always throwing out really interesting ideas for thesis topics. And whether it's a fresh view on an old question or a new study, your thesis will be a new contribution to the body of scholarly work in our field. Don't be intimidated by the prospect of original research. You can do it. And if you aren't sure of your idea or you aren't sure if it seems original enough, bounce your research topic ideas off of others. Your advisor or a trusted professor can be good sounding boards. They can tell you pretty quickly whether or not they think you have a viable topic. Also, whether they think it's a good or a bad idea, consider getting a second or third opinion. I experienced differing views from professors about my research topic and methodology, including one professor who tried to discourage me from pursuing my topic and my methodology. I listened to the views of the professors whose judgment I trusted, and everything worked out fine. In terms of selecting an advisor in a committee, there are several approaches for selecting an advisor. You might talk to your academic advisor about your topic and see if he or she has suggestions for a faculty member who has an interest and expertise in either your subject area or your methodology. You can review the faculty pages on your own and see who, who is posted and listed in interest or an expertise in your subject or methodology. And when you've got someone in mind, Ask the professor directly whether he or she would like to be your advisor. Once a faculty member agrees to be your advisor, talk with them about how many committee members they think are appropriate for the project and discuss your options. If you aren't sure who might want to serve on your committee, you can elicit their help in selecting and asking others to join. In closing, I'd like to repeat that choosing to complete a thesis is a personal decision. This choice should be made based on reasons that are meaningful to you and not based on fear or the preferences of others. I wholeheartedly encourage all of you to seriously consider the thesis as a culminating option. Further, remember that you might actually boost your career while pursuing the thesis. You will meet others in the profession who might inspire you and who can give you their guidance, advice, and support. Also, you can choose to publish your original research. You might condense it into a journal article or a conference presentation, convert it into a monograph, or all of the above. Whatever you decide to do can only help you along in your career. Actually, I still have the same job that I had when I was in school. Um, so 
there I do I did have people in my workplace who did want to have a copy of it and see it and I did have uh, the historian at work actually um, posted something in the in the center's newsletter saying that I won the award for the thesis so I had support at the workplace and, and there was interest and it looks good on your resume <laughs>
I think that Judith Krug is, she received her honorary doctoral degree. No, she's not an, she's not an honorary professor, so she wouldn't count. Professor Schmidt is a subject expert, uh, and I relied very heavily on Professor Schmidt's uh, expertise and experience and guidance, um, his classes and his just example as a professional was a real inspiration to me. And uh, also um, Debbie Hansen taught me everything I know about oral history. <laughs> um, and yeah, there's, you just really have some amazing, amazing professors in this school who can be excellent sources of inspiration for you. Well, good luck to all of you. You can do it. <laughs> Thank you.